Good evening. I appreciate uh, several of you saying you missed me this morning. I was up at uh, uh, Flat Top Congregation uh, preaching there this morning, and uh, good to good to always be with the brethren up there. Uh, they did want me to announce at Saudi that next Sunday they're having a three o'clock singing, and then their evening service at four thirty. So if anyone is interested in going up to Flat Top, uh, they'll be having that next week. You know, last time I had the opportunity to speak, we talked about uh, our spiritual identity, our spiritual identity in Christ. And if you remember, we talked about life in the blue suit and about the fact that Christians and our identity have kind of a target uh, on us for the world watching us and what we might do, what we might say that will show that we fall short of being a Christian. Today, what I want to talk about is our identity in Christ. You know, our identity as a Christian is very important. How we portray ourselves to others, how we show our love and care for one another and those around us, all of those things show our identity in Christ. Oftentimes the question might be asked, who am I? Maybe you asked yourself that question, and I certainly have. Who am I? If the world was to describe who I am, what would they say? I think that's a very important thing for the Christian to look at and realize that the world watches us and our identity is to be Christ-like. In a world that seems to thrive on chaos, we may have all asked ourselves the question, who am I? And Sometimes when we look in the mirror, it may not be who we want to be, who we desire to be. You know, we've talked about hope before, and and we talked about it in our uh, men's class here this last month. We talked about what hope truly is to the Christian. You know, hope is more than just desire, isn't it, for the Christian? If the world were to describe hope, it would be something that they desire. Maybe they hope for a sports car. Maybe they hope for a bigger house. Maybe they hope to be a millionaire one day. And oftentimes, if hope is just as desire, it doesn't really mean as much as the hope that we think about when we think about God's Word. The hope that we read about in God's Word is not only a desire that we hope for heaven... We desire for heaven, but also an expectation. We hope that we get to go to heaven. We desire that we get to go to heaven. But we as Christians can expect to go to heaven if we live our lives according to the will of God. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, it's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And that is not the right verse, is it? It's not the right verse, is it? What is the verse? 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7. You know it? We walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ continuously cleanses us from our sins. See, we have to have the attitude. We have to have the right walk in order to have the true hope that God has given us. Desire plus expectation. That is the walk that the Christian must have. It is how we are identified in walking in Christ, being Christ-like. 
You know, when we look in the mirror, we see someone sometimes who has failed more times than we care to admit. Someone who has spoken out of anger, someone who has fallen short of the glory of God, and sometimes we don't see much in the way of a reclamation project, do we? Sometimes we get very down on ourselves because we fall short of what God wants us to do. But God does not expect us to live sinlessly perfect, but he does desire us to continue in the fellowship of walking as he wants us to walk. And that blood of Jesus Christ continuously cleansing us from our sins. If my identity were to be found in who I see and what I think, then it would be an identity of failure and of calamity without Christ. You agree? Turn, if you will, to first, or 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look at those passages there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 14 through chapter 6 and verse 2. And we're going to break it down into three different sections of Scripture, if you will. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul is outspoken concerning the identity question of who am I? He wanted to identify that. Paul speaks to the idea that my identity is not found in what I see when I look into the mirror, but rather that my identity is found in my conviction and my connection to Jesus Christ. My identity in Christ. Notice, if you will, in Jesus, I am controlled by his love. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. I have a risen Savior, and in Jesus I am controlled by his love. And I am guided by his love. For God loved us so much that he sent his only son to die on a cruel cross. That's the love of God that he has for us. So his love controls us. It propels us. It pushes us to continue to be faithful all the days of our lives so that we can receive that crown of life. Revelation chapter 2 in verse 10. It propels us to keep on living the life of a Christian and having fellowship that that blood of Jesus Christ can continuously cleanse us from our sins. We understand that we look at the Bible and we see there even in 1 John chapter 1 that if we say we have no sin, we make him a liar and the truth isn't in us. We know that we as Christians are sinners, but yet we have to strive to live our life as good as we possibly can according to to God's word. In Jesus I am made a new creation in him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 17 through 19. Therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. 
You've heard it said many times by Brother Charles, what is reconciliation? It's to make friends again. Turn, if you will, go ahead and keep that page marked. Turn, if you will, over to Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Let's look at those passages there. What shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. Hmm, seems like a biblical theme, doesn't it? We're raised to walk in newness of life. We're a new creature, a new creation if we're obedient to the gospel plan of salvation. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, and that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive in God, to God, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall have no dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace." Now turn back, if you will, over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So we see we're made a new creation in him. We're raised to walk in newness of life through baptism and being obedient to the gospel plan of salvation. Thirdly, in Jesus, I am convinced that I am in a favorable time and convicted of my need for salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. We need to be made friends with God again. What separated us from God? Sin. Sin separated us from God. For he made him who is no, of no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Continuing in, verse, in chapter 6, verse 1, We then, as workers together with him, that is Christ, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 
Don't we sing a song, today is the day of salvation? Tomorrow may be too late. So in Jesus, I am controlled by his love. In Jesus, I am made a new creation in him. And in Jesus, I am convinced that I am in a favorable time and convicted of my need of salvation. Self-control by the standards of the Bible is submitting to Christ's control, not our own. It's submitting to the things that God wants us to do by giving us his holy word that we may be obedient to it and apply it to our lives. Not only apply to our lives, but be willing and able to teach others about our conviction that we have in Christ Jesus. The control of Christ is steeped in love and compassion and only has my best interest in mind. You ever heard it said, let people know how much you care before you let them know how much you know? If we take this Bible and beat someone over the head with it to try to get the truth of God in them, do you think it's going to be very effective? It's not, is it? But we show our love as Christ showed his love for us in being the example to those around us so that they can be convicted and so that they can understand that the day of salvation is now and tomorrow may be too late. When I, as a Christian, understand that, I stop feeling held back and instead feel propelled forward, pushed forward by the love of God. Because God loves me, I want to show that same love to others. I want others to obey the gospel plan of salvation and be a Christian and to show the identity of Christ by the love that they have for one another. When I understand the depths of Jesus' love for me, I stop feeling the burden and instead feel relief and freedom that God gives us. Turn to a familiar passage, if you will, to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 25. Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight, all things have been delivered to me by the Father. And no one knows the Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Here it is. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my burden is difficult, and my burden and my light is heavy. Is that what he says? It isn't, is it? It says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The only reason that it can be easy and light is through Christ, with Christ, And by Christ's love. That's the only way it can be easy. And he didn't say it would be easy all the time, did he? We understand that being a Christian is not easy all of the time. 
The death of Jesus was for my sake, in my place, and how can I refuse to allow his deep abiding love to control me as a Christian? I can't, can I? For Christ loved us so much that he was willing to become a man and be sacrificed on a cross so that by the blood that was shed by a sinless lamb could make me free. It could make me have the hope that the Christian truly can have that desire plus expectation. God's intention in the scheme of redemption was not to simply recycle the old version of me with a, with a slightly improved result. It was to save me. It was to make me clean and whole and presentable to God in heaven. What a wonderful thing that we have of God loving us enough to send his only son to die on that cruel cross. This realization is true and a wake-up call because it creates within us an understanding of how God sees us, doesn't it? Where I saw failure, where I saw calamity, where I saw sadness, where I saw depression, and where I saw loss, God saw one worthy of grace, worthy of forgiveness, and worthy of salvation. Because of that realization, I see a new responsibility as the messenger of reconciliation, of being made, made friends with God again, to be reconciled back to God, because I have been lost, but yet now I'm found and was blind, but now I can see. I want for others to have the same incredible feeling that a brand new Christian has when they raise from the watery grave of baptism to raise to walk in newness of life. They're moved to tears by the fact that the all-knowing creator has enough love for us that he sent his only son to die on the cross and that through my obedience to him, I can do the same. I can walk in heaven one day with my Savior. You know, there's so many in the religious world are still waiting for a Savior. My Savior's already come. My Savior is already at the right hand of God in heaven, being an advocate for me and pleading my case to God. He's already paid the price for me by the blood that was shed on the cross. In a world that seems to thrive on chaos, the child of God holds the secret to living a life full of meaning and full of worth because we've been purchased with a price. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how every Christian should love Jesus because of the sacrifice on our behalf. The sad fact is that many children of God treat it as such a secret to be held, to be kept, to be hidden from the rest of the world. And the giver of the great secret wants us to share it. He wants us to share our passion and our love for God with others so that they can see the good works that we do and glorify not ourselves, but our Father in heaven. So the giver of the great secret is our true identity, calls his children to beg, to implore, to pray, 
and to plead with everyone to see each moment as favorable time and each day as their day of salvation. God pleads for us to be obedient unto death to receive that crown of life. My identity is found as a reconciled child of God, one who has made friends with God again because my sin has separated me from the love of God. The child of God seeking how I can share this incredible message with everyone that we come in contact with. God loves you. God loves all of us. He loves all the people of the world who have yet to come to an obedience to the gospel plan of salvation, who have not studied the word of God themselves and made application to their lives. God loves us. And he wants us to have that hope that the Christian can truly have, that desire plus expectation. There may be some here this evening who have never responded to the Lord's invitation. The Bible tells us that we must hear the word of God and that that hearing produces a faith, a belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. We must repent of our sins, stop sinning on purpose to have that change of mind. We must confess with the mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and be buried in that watery grave of baptism raised to walk in newness of life, to be a new creation in God. We as Christians must remain faithful unto death to receive that crown of life. Perhaps there's one here this evening who's never obeyed the gospel plan of salvation. Or if you have, maybe you've fallen away and committed a public sin that needs public repentance. Or you need the prayers and thoughts of your brothers and sisters in Christ. I plead with you and for you. That your life is right because today is the day of salvation. And tomorrow may be too late. If you have a need to respond to the Lord's invitation this evening, whatever your need may be, we offer you that invitation now as together we stand and as we sing. So